Welcome to the second revival of Games Parlay. Uh, this show is going to end up being a little bit different than you've seen it before, but just so you know, we are going to keep those older episodes up. But I have gotten myself a permanent host to the show to make this a little bit easier to record than trying to find new guests every single episode. Um, we will still have guests, but please welcome our other permanent co-host, Matt. Hey, Billy. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to get working on this project with you. Yeah, so uh, just a little bit of a background about um, us and kind of how this show is going to kind of work out slash how it kind of came about. So really it started well, a couple years ago. It's hard for me to keep track now, but so Matt was actually the one who let me borrow his copy of Breath of the Wild. Um, and so when that started, I was texting him constantly about Breath of the Wild, and then it became uh, him and his wife, and we were all talking about Breath of the Wild. And we, we were friends before this, obviously, but it's kind of developed into this thing where anytime we pick up new games or whatever, we just we, we text and chat about it all the time. And so when this podcast stuff came about, we decided, well, let's just do this thing together because we're already doing it. Let's just get on Discord and record ourselves talking about various games and stuff. So would you say that's fairly accurate, Matt? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, I think most of the games that I'm going to talk about today, too, are games that you actually turned me on to as well. So Yeah, so that that's- whole thing is kind of a self fulfilling cycle which is kind of interesting <laughs> yeah it'll be a ton of fun so we're, we're looking forward to getting this uh going but so today uh we're here to to talk about the best games that Matt and i played in 2020 um with 2020 being the year it was um and as we kind of reflect on the year uh for me anyway and i would assume so for you too matt that video games were mm-hmm. a way for us to get away from the crazy nonsense, especially, you know, during lockdowns and quarantines and everything else. Um, it just gave us that sense of, gave us something to do and an escape from the nonsense we were dealing with. Um, and so we wanted to pay tribute to the the, the best games that we played in 2020 uh, to talk about them a little bit. And just so that you guys, the audience, can kind of get a feel for what we think are the best games and get to know a little bit more about kind of our tastes <laughs> through this. So uh, we each have three games uh, that we kind of wanted to touch on and talk about. Um, and just an important note for the, the listeners, these are not games that released in 2020. Uh, these are games that we played for the first time in 2020. Um, and so you're going to notice some of these games are a bit older um, but 2020 being the way it was, we actually got to sit down and play um, all kinds of different games. So, uh, is that about cover everything, Matt? Should we just hop right into it? Yeah, I say we just hop into it. I think that I about covered it. Great. So, to get started today, um, I have to talk about the most obvious one on this list for me. If you follow me on social media at all, you know that this was definitely my top game that I played in 2020, and that was Dragon Quest Eleven. Big shocker. I think I tweet a picture of the slimes at least once a week, it feels like. Uh, only once? <laughs> only that, you know, average, average. 
um, so a little bit about this game and kind of one of the reasons it's my my top. Um, so rewind back to March, um, which I know processing the last March, and here we are, you know, in 2021, about to hit March again. Um, but when the lockdowns first started, I was actually um, on spring break, and we got that uh, call that we needed to be on lockdown for the next two weeks. I was like, oh, okay, well, what do I do? <laughs> and so I did what everybody else does, and I went on to Humble Bundle. Um, I saw this game on sale, Dragon Quest XI. Um, the only other Dragon Quest game I had played at that time was Dragon Quest IX, and it's just because my dad bought it. And I sat down and I played this game for two weeks straight. Did nothing else. I would wake up, <laughs> play Dragon Quest Eleven, eat a bunch of food, go to sleep, wake up the next morning and do the same thing as I watch the news and everything else. Uh, and so this game <laughs> has a special place in my heart for that reason, because while there was everything else going on, I just got to play this phenomenal game. I'm a big fan of the the turn-based RPG, uh, which, again, if you follow me on social media or know me in real life, you know that that's my favorite genre of game, pretty much all I play, for the most part. Um, it's classic JRPG combat, turn-based stuff. All the characters are wonderful. Um, since the beginning of the series, the art has been done by the, the artist behind Dragon Ball Z. Um, and I could go on and on and on about the music and the characters and the story um, and everything like that. And actually, I played this game twice this year. I played a 60-hour RPG twice in the same year. <laughs> and I watched you do most of it Yeah, the second time. Yes, so I played it once in March um, by myself. And then over the summer, uh, I live-streamed on my Twitch channel uh, and played through Dragon Quest Eleven. Again, so um, just easily the, my, my favorite game of this year. Um, it's comfort food at this point. So, and just as a fun aside, my dad just started playing this game. Like he bought the S version on Switch uh, and he has been texting me his progress and it has been very enjoyable to live vicariously through my dad <laughs> as he plays through this game. Anyone who ever picks up this game, message Billy about it. Oh my god! Constantly, I will literally cherish every moment. <laughs> uh, but yes, that is my to, not to spoil it right away. But I did uh, my top game of 2020 is this one that I that I played um, on my list. So Dragon Quest XI. Um, I'm sure at some point I could do a full length episode on on this game. But uh, how about you, Matt? All right. Um, I think the first thing that I want to talk about is probably the Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition for the Switch. Oh, yes. I had a lot of fun with this game. This is not usually um, my cup of tea when it comes to games. Um, I'm not a huge um, RPG fan in general. Um, I just didn't really get them, I don't think. Um but I'm starting to come around more to the genre after playing this game. This was the first time I ever finished an RPG that was not a Pokemon game. So it was a big that boy. was really... It was a big boy, yes. 
I even started the new game plus on this game. I've never done that for any game before. So I couldn't get enough of this game for a little while. Um, I think what I enjoyed the most was the ridiculous anime storyline that was in this game. It, I'm trying to describe it in a way that's not spoilery. Mm-hmm. So you have these two warring factions of people that are um, people that live on what's called the Bionis, which is a giant robot with a sword. Okay, you can stop the right there. Live- Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> there is not a more anime sentence than giant robot with a sword. Yes, you're absolutely right. And they live on the giant robot with the sword. (laughs) Yes, because of course they do. It's nuts. And then the other faction is people that are made of machinery that also live on a giant robot with a sword. Mm -hmm. And so the robot people attack the the people that live on the Bionis that are made of biological tissue. And so it's all about the war between these two... um, factions um and as you go on your adventure you obviously pick up a bunch of different characters along the way to have them join your party Uh, i enjoyed most of them they did a really good job at giving each character a distinct personality i felt absolutely Um, some of them have too much personality i'm not a huge fan of ricky Uh, oh ricky Oh, Ricky. There's, there's always one character in any show or game, but especially JRPGs, there is always a Ricky somewhere in the party. <laughs> Ricky is the annoying little brother of the, the party, which is ironic, considering that he is probably one of the... He probably is the oldest member of the party. Yeah. <laughs> but he married and has kids. Child. And like they put that oh, out very early. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. so goofy. Yeah, I I loved Xenoblade. Um, I struggled to get into the combat of it when I was playing, um, but again, that comes from my I prefer the turn based uh, style. Mm-hmm. But uh, the- I liked the more active version of this combat. Yeah, um, it was very um, MMORPG inspired, which is yeah. pretty cool. I didn't play a lot of those like as a teenager or growing up, but I'm familiar enough with the concept. Um, I felt like the combat was really good in the beginning, and it's a really interesting system to kind of master and um, perfect your team toward the end game. Yeah. But it's kind of in the middle where I had difficulty figuring out exactly what to do, especially as you're still like unlocking different abilities and yeah. stuff. It's hard to really have all the tools at your disposal to do what you want to do. Yeah, and for those that haven't played uh, the game, first off, go check it out. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, if you're more into the active style gameplay than the traditional sit there, think about your moves um, gameplay, what what I really like about Xenoblade is MMO explains it the best because it's it's about rotations, about your rotation of abilities. and, and Shulk actually has like the clearest rotation uh, in my mind. It's like, I'd say so. Yeah, you've got like the side attack that lowers uh, defense, and then you've got the backslash, which if you play a ton of Smash, you hear that over and over and over, <laughs> um, which does more damage from the back. So you lower the defense from the side, let someone pull aggro, and then you slash them in the back uh, for maximum damage. 
Um, but that that's kind of what, what we mean by MMO, RPG-inspired combat. It's more about the the rotations that your characters need to need to pull off. But I, I actually yeah. played that game for the first time this year as well. Um, I think I played it like just a couple months after you. Yeah. I think you got it pretty close to launch and I got it this summer. Yes. I had a I had a roommate in college who practically begged me to play this game. Uh and I really struggled to play with it on the Wii. Um I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's just having a controller in my hand versus a freaking Wii mote. Uh <laughs> or what. But I, oh, I I had a much better experience playing it on the Switch than I did um on the Wii. It looks really nice too. That like, too, and the the reorchestrations are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They redid all of like the textures of the character models in the game, but kept, um, like the the animated the animation. Yeah. So it looks a little bit clunky sometimes when they move, but the I thought that the environments looked really really good, especially. Yeah. Yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles. Go, go check that game out. It's so good. Um, for sure. The story, if, if for nothing else but the story, put the game on easy, plow through the combat, but just go enjoy the story. It's well worth your time. Um, and kind of a, a wonder your next game. Yeah, really? I was gonna say kind of a segue. Um, so my my second game of this year was uh, Near Automata, uh, which is a game that I have been eyeing for so long. Um. This is one of those games that like never goes on sale. It has been consistently $60 on Steam for the last however long. Um, but it finally went on sale this summer for like 20 bucks. Oh, cool. And I picked it up and was blown away. Um, so Near Automata um, is one of those games that's it's really short but they want you to play the game multiple times uh, with some of the different characters to unlock the full story. Um, so I'm going to go into this telling you that I have not done that yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I played it with the, the, the main character story to be, um, I'll get to the others, um, but I had to take a break. Um, Near Automata was kind of my filler game between some others. Um, but man, the music in that game is so good. Uh, they utilize a lot of vocals, which I find um, pretty fascinating because there's not a lot of a lot of video game soundtracks have like one vocal track. It's usually the most uh, intense moment in a lot of games when when a vocal line comes out. Yeah, Xenoblade did that pretty effectively too. Yeah, um, and Near Automata was like a lot of them utilized vocals. Um, and I think it's because a lot of the game's story is about the, the android battling with what is human emotion versus what is an android supposed to have. Um, hmm. As it's there, like the androids are there to protect Earth until the humans can come back, something like that. Again, they want you to play the story multiple times to get all the information, and I've only played it once. Um, but that's. It's interesting. It's super intriguing. I'm looking forward to playing more. But the the music's incredible. The um, textual designs are so good. Uh, the combat, though. If you're going to pick up Nier Automata, and this is for anybody, if you're going to pick up Nier Automata, do not play it on hard. 
<laughs> you can switch the difficulty at any time. Play the game on normal. Um, normal is like pretty easy. I found like it's it's a challenge, but like not too bad. Um, hard is everything will kill you in two hits. That sounds fun. Uh, and then second phase is the bosses will just one shot you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, that's brutal. Yeah, and like the rest of the game, like the the like in between bosses, like. You can get the game, get through the game with a decent amount of challenge on hard. It's just the bosses themselves are way too hard on that difficulty setting. Um, and then there's a difficulty higher than that, which is that literally everything one shots you. So, if you, that sounds like someone who wants to have a bad time, yeah, right. Like if you're like truly a hardcore gamer, you go, you go for it, whatever. Um, but it's it's, it's incredible. Um, it's a platinum game, the same team behind Bayonetta. Um, and they had actually had a Transformers game at one point that was pretty cool. Um, but if you know anything about really? Platinum Studios, uh, there are a bajillion collectibles. Just a t- so many unlockables and ways to customize your uh, loadout. Um, combat is fast. Um, you basically you have a light attack, heavy attack, and a dodge and a gun. So, uh, you know, it, it's easy to use, difficult to master. It's one of those games. They also made um, Astral Chain for the Switch, right? Yes, they did. Yeah. I played some of that. Yeah. Um, they're a fantastic dev studio, and they know how to tell a story. Um, but yeah, Near Automata uh, was a game that really challenged me, and was kind of outside of my regular comfort zone. Even though it's a Square Enix game, so still within the realm, but it's Square Enix published by, um, or sorry, published by Square Enix, but it was Platinum who developed it. So, yeah, lots of stuff. There. Sounds like a cool game. Yeah, check out Near Automata. So my second game, then, I played Super Mario Galaxy for the first time this year. Yes, I picked up the. Super Mario 3D All-Stars collection for the Switch. Um, it was kind of funny. The game came out, and I didn't expect to get it until maybe Christmas. Um, but then my wife comes home from work, and she's like, hey, we're going to go to Target, and we're going to buy Mario, because I want to play Mario. So I said, okay. So we went to get it, and I ended up being the one to play it more, more than her. Um, I originally had tried to play them all in sequential order. Um, but I really, really wanted to play Galaxy. So I ended up doing, like, the f- up until just after the first boss fight in Mario 64. And then I just skipped Sunshine and then went right into Galaxy. And it is a really, really cool game. I can see why people love it so much for sure. Um, I didn't realize how linear the the levels would be. I thought it'd be more kind of an open sandbox, more like Mario Odyssey, which I had played a couple years ago. But I ended up liking the the more linear aspect of it quite a bit. It reminded me quite a bit of um sixty four in some ways because there each level has multiple different objectives you can complete. Because mm-hmm. you go in you go into the, the galaxy and you have 
a thing that it tells you to do. But if you want, you can go and get a different um, star if you want to, which I thought was an interesting development strategy. Yeah. It gives you a choice to do what you want to do as opposed to going in the exact order that the game dictates. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, for the most part, um, there there are quite a few of those individual galaxies that are like, you have to do them in order. But I mean, the amount of stars that you need to have to beat that game is like 50 something or 60 or... It's not that much. There's 120 stars in the game and you only need half of them. I ended up um, having enough to go beat the final boss before I unlocked the last room of the space station. Yeah. So I opted to keep playing and at least get to every galaxy before I went to the final boss. Um, What else? Oh, I really liked a lot of the new power-ups that were introduced in this game. I think my favorite one was the the ice power-up where you can skate on both the ice and the lava. I thought that was super cool. Mm -hmm. It had some really interesting platforming mechanics um, as you're like skating along and trying to jump gaps in between the flooring as you're skating. I had a lot of fun with those levels. Yeah. And then the music in this game is incredible. Um, my favorite song was the Gusty Garden Galaxy. Oh, I think it's probably everyone's favorite it's song. It's so good. It is on the uh, Greatest Games of All Time soundtrack, or on that, that album that the London Philharmonic put out. Um, it's one of I did not know this was a thing. Oh, it's so oh my good. Goodness. You gotta check it out. I will check that out. I love the London Philharmonic. Yeah. Because um, I'm a nerd. <laughs> right. Uh, in case you don't know, uh, Matt and I are both music people, music teachers. Uh, so anything, you're going to hear a lot about the music in the games we talk about. It's true. I think that was on the list that we have on Google Docs. I think music was the first thing on. Yes. Yeah. Music is in every single one of <laughs> the things we talk about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also really like the um, Airship Armada theme. Um, Billard just told me today, actually, that I didn't quite recognize this, but it's a remixed version of the airship theme from Super Mario Bros. 3. Yeah. yeah. They, they love to... And when, uh, Koji Kondo loves referencing himself, I am sure of it. Uh, every time he can. I would. <laughs> I mean, if I wrote some of the most recognizable music mm-hmm. in video games, I would reference it all the time. Absolutely. Hey, remember when I did that super cool thing? I'm going to do it some more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then one thing that I didn't know was in the game was the like side story with Rosalina. And you kind of learn more of her backstory as the game goes. As she um, reads a storybook to the the shines that live on the observatory. And that was like way more emotional <laughs> than I had anticipated. Yeah. Especially cause, I really, really like that. Oh, it was, it's awesome. I always feel bad though. Cause I'm always annoyed when I end up in that room. Cause I think it's a level, like I'm trying to hop to the level that's in that area. Oh, right. And then I, uh, long jump wahoo into that room. 
And then it's like, <laughs> oh, here's have fun with this cutscene you didn't ask for. Yep. Well, I hadn't played the game yet, so I enjoyed the cutscene. Oh no, it's it's I like incredibly emotional and amazing. It's just like <laughs> every time I leap in there and I'm like and I haven't checked in in a while, so it's like, all right, here's your seven chapter thing you forgot. Oh yeah, right. You can't really skip it, can no. you? You have to at least go through all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be annoying if you already knew the story for sure. But it's it's incredibly well written, and I, I love that they gave Rosalina that because um, she hadn't existed before that game. Uh, so I will say, uh, whenever the 3D All Stars pack came out, um, I had actually. Uh, I've 100%ed Sunshine, and I've 100%ed uh, Mario Galaxy. Technically 50%, uh, because once you beat it 100% at once with Mario, you then would have to 100% it again as Luigi to get the yes. true 100% clearance. Um, but I had a ton of fun with Galaxy um, completing the game, and I am no completionist by any means. Um, I'm one to kind of, unless a game really intrigues me, I'm not going to take my time to see every little thing. I agree. Um, but Galaxy was so much fun, and it's so easy to complete. And by easy, I mean they make the process really easy. You just play the game. <laughs> Comet shows up, you go do that, and then you come back to the rest of the levels, and you're good to it's go. True. You don't really have to go out of your way like other games to 100%. It's not yeah. like a an Assassin's Creed or something where you have to get every single little collectible and every nook yeah. and cranny of a map. Yeah, or those godforsaken blue coins from Mario Sunshine. <laughs> I, I just did that crap with a guide. Yeah, Sorry, you go first. I was going to say, those things are terrible. I did that crap with a guide and still hated everything. Right. I watched a video about that the other day off to send you. It was about like the the game design of the blue coins and how it is both good and bad. It was pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Galaxy is phenomenal. If you're not a, a 3D Mario, like you haven't played a ton of 3D Marios, the 3D All-Stars pack is amazing. Um, don't buy into the hate of them. Like truly, uh, they're, they're phenomenal. Um, they, the, and actually the Switch uh, gyro controls um, actually work pretty well. And yeah, I was hate, impressed. Made me hate a lot of the motion control levels a lot less mm -hmm. uh, this go around. So, um, yeah, because some of those levels are terrible. <laughs> We're terrible mm -hmm. on the Wii. Um, but you have a lot more control with the, the Switch gyro controls. Yeah, I liked it. Although I did find that the cursor to collect the star bits with would flip sometimes, but yes, that's pretty um, minor. Yeah. It's just a little interesting mm -hmm. uh, and different. But, but well, so we're on to my third game, which actually coincides with Matt's third game. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're going to talk about our, our collective, uh, one of the best games we played in 2020. And me personally, this is my 2020 game of the year. I think uh, it might be mine now. too. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about Hades um, a like little everyone bit. everyone else. Right. I, I'm sure at some point this is another one that could end up being a full uh, episode on its own. But if you don't know so. what Hades is, um, it is a Greek mythology-themed roguelike uh, from the perspective of a character named Zagreus, uh, who is the son of Hades, 
who is determined to leave the underworld and go reunite with whoever his mother is. Now, for the sake of this episode, we're going to stay uh, spoiler-free, um, so you can still you can still hang in uh, and listen. We're not going to spoil anything for you. Uh, but man, Hades is so good. It's so interesting how, like, sticky the the combat, well, the, the gameplay loop is. Like, mm-hmm. it is so addicting. I literally couldn't stop for, like, two days straight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wish uh, take, it would take me a bit to pull back through the text. Um, but I remember getting a text from your wife, and it was like, he won't stop. He needs to <laughs> eat, but he won't stop. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Um, I think I know the exact thing you're talking about. It was like two o'clock and I hadn't eaten anything yet. He's like, you know, like I had lunch like an hour and a half ago. Are you going to eat anything? I was like, oh, yeah, after this run. <laughs> <laughs> two hours go by. Yep. <laughs> um, but for our listeners who may not know uh, exactly what we're talking about here, uh, if you've never played a roguelike before or are unfamiliar with the term, uh, if you're familiar with games like The Binding of Isaac, uh, Enter the Gungeon, Risk of Rain, um, there's all kinds of games that fall into this uh, genre. And basically what it refers to is uh, a game where it's the same gameplay loop every time you play, but the power-ups, upgrades, room types, everything else is randomized. Um, so you never know what you're going to run into. Um, as you're going through the levels. Um, There are certain patterns you can start to anticipate um, and start to have a better idea. Um, There's a whole thing on uh, in speedrun communities uh, where they try to look for uh, tells as to certain things going on. But for the most part, it's completely randomized um, as you work your way to the end of the game itself. I hadn't Um, even thought of looking up a speedrun for this game. I'm sure they yeah, exist yeah. already. I like. Oh, I'm sure. Um, people are crazy. They went. They went. Uh, the community went. That bought into the Hades uh, game. Like went hard, mm-hmm. um, and it's easy to see why. Um, and that's the thing about roguelikes for me personally. I'm a huge fan of the genre because um, it's nice that like when I go into a roguelike, I don't really have to think about pathing or am I going to pick the right thing or whatever am i gonna waste 20 hours of my life because i've made a wrong decision somewhere else down the line um no you just boot it up you do a run and if that's all you have time for it's all you have time for you move on Mm -hmm. um but one of the things that makes hades in particular super unique is that there's an overarching story um which is not really what you see in most roguelikes a lot of times you get like you get like an ending it's like, this is what happened to the character after. Um, and that's about it. Uh, but Hades is super unique that it's got this overarching story. There are char- all kinds of characters. all Awesome know, the characters. They're awesome all characters so fleshed out. Yeah. Um, all the characters are super hot for some reason. Like, <laughs> every single one of them. Uh, they're so well drawn. Um, but you can build relationships with all those characters. Um, by giving them stuff, you know, like you do in real life. Uh, uh, it just, it's, it's so, it's a complete package that you don't expect from a $25 game. 
that should not be a $25 game with how much. I really shouldn't. I even got it for 20. It was on sale when I got it. Yeah. Crazy. It's like probably the best value for a game that I've ever gotten. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things I, I think this hits particularly hard for our generation um, because I remember in high school and middle school, the Percy Jackson books were so prominent mm-hmm. in school and everything else. So I remember getting really big into Greek mythology and then all of a sudden have a game that so well encapsulates so much of Greek mythology, but puts its own spin on it. it, it it's so refreshing. I hadn't even thought about the Percy Jackson connection. That's a really good point. Um, I read all those books growing up too, and mm-hmm. I think you can see some of the influence that that had on on the game too. Like even some of the characters that are within the game, I think have pretty similar personality traits to how they were represented in the books. Mm-hmm. I would say so. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things as well that I love about this game um, that not a lot of others necessarily portray to you. Um, whereas Hades does a really, really nice job. Um, a lot of these games, when you die, it's like, you know, you have the Dark Souls thing where it's like, well, get, just get good. <laughs> um, which I hate that with every fiber of my being. Um, you love Dark but, Souls, Billy. What are you talking uh, about? I love Dark Souls. I really do. I'm playing Sekiro right now, and I die a lot. <laughs> um, but the thing is, Hades doesn't punish you for losing. In fact, Failure is encouraged to the point that the characters talk about it. Um, and all the characters are like, most of the characters are cheering you on, saying, don't worry, you'll, you'll, you'll get there. Just keep going at it. Um, you get darkness to use for permanent upgrades. You get gemstones to upgrade um, the, the House of the Dead. Um, it's like, yeah, you died, but... Got this new stuff you can get to make yourself better for the next attempt. Um, and it's this this slow build to to actually get to the end of the game, which is mm-hmm. so good. I just got to the final boss fight last night for the first time. And it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's such um, a cool feeling when you finally it get is. there. I died. I actually got about two-thirds of his health gone which was pretty cool for a first run. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I lost. <laughs> I'll get there. But again, you got you know, almost up there, and then you got all those upgrades on the way up that you take back down, you boost up your character a bit, and then you try again, and you're better equipped for the next fight. Um, it's this very subtle uh, RPG element to, like, make you physically stronger without really telling you that that's what's going on to just build your way up to where you need to be uh, to get to the end of the game. I also just like all the different so weapons that you have access to. Yes. Uh, there are six total. I um, believe so, yeah. With four different forms for each one. So It's very really customizable. Got- yeah, you've got six weapons with four different flavors, so you've got 24 different options, uh, depending on how you want to play that day. Mm-hmm. I like the yeah. spear. The spear is my this, favorite. The spear is a ton of fun. Uh, the um, I use the spear a lot. Um, 
I like the the hidden aspect spear, the locked one. Uh, it's probably my favorite in the game. Um, I like the sword a lot as well. Um, pretty basic in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use the bow quite a bit too. Um, but yeah, just there's so much in Hades, you guys. Like, Everyone should play it. If they, yeah, I was gonna say if there's a game out of our combined best of 2020 that you like, I don't know, like get Hades and play Hades for sure. Um, you will not be disappointed. It's twenty five dollars. Um, I have not stopped playing the game since I bought it, um, and I'm, I just I can't stop. It's too good. It's true. But. Uh, well, there you have it, you guys. It's kind of a snapshot look at what Matt and I, uh, Matt and I's favorite games that we played in 2020. Um, so we hope you enjoyed kind of hearing our ramblings about our, our favorite games from this year um, that we played this year. Uh, and if you end up checking any of them out, let us know. We'd be happy to, we'd love to talk to you about these kind of games and uh, see what you think about them. Or if you have any recommendations based off of what, we talked about that'd be super cool too i'm always looking for stuff to play absolutely so with that you guys i think that's going to do it for our second revival of games parlay um be checking out uh spotify apple uh anchor wherever else you get podcasts um because we're there so um be sure to follow us uh on twitter there should be a games parlay twitter um out there at Games Parlay Pod um, should be out there now uh, for you guys to follow and get updates on the show. And with that, we'll catch you all next time. <laughs>